Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wholesaling Houses Elite Podcast. You know what? This episode is a little bit special, not only because we got a good guest on, but also this is our relaunch of the podcast. We haven't really, uh, I haven't really done anything in the last few months for podcasts. Been kind of doing Instagram and YouTube, but I tell you what, I'm glad to be back here in the podcast world with you. And today's special guest is Brian Arigbu. And I'm going to tell you something. This is going to be something you really want to pay attention to because Brian is doing $100,000 a year extra. And he has a full-time job where he is working 40 to 50 hours a week. So I'll tell you what, right now, I want you to just take some time, listen to this interview and see some of the gems that you can learn from listening to Brian. This is Wholesaling Houses Elite, the no fluff and BS podcast with tips and tricks to help you become an elite wholesaler. Our guest will spill the beans on what it takes to be the best. All right, elite members, it's Max Maxwell here with Wholesaling Elite Podcast, and we're also doing video. Can you believe that? Welcome to the show, Brian Irigbu. And you're out of Texas, right? In Texas, man, the dirty south. The dirty south. I don't, I don't, I don't, hundred percent agree with that being the dirty south. But what part of Texas are you in, brother? Now I'm in southeast Texas, so like Jefferson County, we're probably like forty-five minutes an hour from the border, Louisiana. Okay. The reason why I wanted to bring you on to this podcast and, and introduce you to the elite members is because you came to my attention because you work a full-time job, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so you work, 50, you work 40, 50 hours a week, right? Yeah. The story well, is, is, is you, you made over six figures last year in this business and had a full-time job. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I made more than I did at my job last year. You made more on your part-time job than you right. did on your full-time job. <laughs> and I, I think that's amazing because, you, you know, you know, I run that, that Facebook group, Wholesaling Houses Elite, and there's a lot of people in there striving and becoming wholesalers. But I hear, can I do this with my full-time job? Can I do this and, and still maintain my full-time job? And, and you're a testament to that. And, and I kind of want to dive deep into what you have been doing, what you've done last year and what you're doing now to kind of see and, and tell people what you've been doing so they can maybe, you know, copy that and, and probably be successful themselves. So kind of just kind of give people a little bit of background about you. And, I, and, and here's the thing, guys, people watching this and listen to this on, on iTunes and other places. I don't want this to be like a formal podcast. I don't want this to be an interview. I kind of want you guys to be a fly on the room when I'm talking to Brian and all my other guests because I really want this to be a real conversation. And obviously this podcast is about wholesaling and real estate investing. And I think it's better. I think I'm going to gear it more towards us just having a conversation because a lot of the questions I'm asking you, I have no notes in front of me, guys. This is real. I'm learning things about him as you're learning. And I'm just going to have a regular conversation like I would uh, if you guys weren't watching or listening to this podcast. So Brian, tell them, tell them a little bit about yourself and, and, and uh, let's, let's get rolling. Man, real quick. Uh, I started, you know, the normal way everybody went to college, got a degree. I started teaching high school uh, biology, like high school science. Mm-hmm. I was super stressed, so stressed. And I was like, first of all, this is stressful, too stressful. I'm working too hard and I don't make enough money. I started working in another industry, full-time job, better money, but 
I was like, man, I just want to make some more money. You know, at that time, I had a good job that I liked. I liked the job. But I was like, man, I really just want more money. So when I got into real estate, it wasn't so much, hey, I'm using real estate to quit my job. Mm -hmm. I just wanted some money on the side. You know, I was like, I need a little, you know, extra income. So that's how I started. But as time went on, then it started transitioning to like, wait up. This is my path of the rat race. Let me I'm. Let me go all in, you know? So that's kind of how I started. And uh, so that transition to me thinking like that really just happened like a year and a half ago. Before that, to be honest, Max, I really was just like, let me make some, let me just make an extra $20,000, $30,000 extra. But what what made you think from from going the the complete traditional route? I mean, you you went to college, you got a degree. What what flipped your brain to say, I mean, even if you're thinking of, hey, let me go make some extra money, what made you think real estate? Bro, check this out. So on the computer, Googling, YouTubing, Googling, YouTubing, you, you see a lot of stuff to, that's that's genuine. You see a lot of stuff to look uh If you have a bank account, you can make this much money, you know, and a lot of stuff that <laughs> seems so scammy and you could just kind of sniff the BS, you know. Mm-hmm. But I noticed everything came back to real estate. If the if the people didn't get rich through real estate, they got rich in another field and then they parked the money in real estate. So real estate was like the cornerstone to like all wealth. Maybe it was a, maybe they didn't get there in real estate. They did in some tech company or some company going, you know, launch, you know, uh, uh, launch. But uh, after they made the money, guess what they did? They bought real Put estate. Put it in real estate. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I think that's like Oprah said she made her money in broadcasting, but became wealthy in real estate. It's a difference, so that's, right? That's, I chose real estate. And another thing, I mean, it's attractive. It's sexy, big checks, you know? So like if I go and sell uh, iPhone cases and I, and I profit $3 per unit, you know, that's cool. I need large volume. But when you see people making $25,000, checks, you're like, hey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so, so. so now you start thinking, okay, part-time, I want to start looking into real estate. What, what's your first move? Bro, okay, so I just start like looking, what can I do? And I see that people are either fixing and flipping houses or they have rental properties. It was one of the two, you know? And I was like, well, I want checks right now. Uh, I want to fix and flip, but I do want rentals too. And I got discouraged because I was like, man, a house, a house is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was like, and at the time, to be honest, Max, I had like 500 bucks, if that, you know, saved that I had access to, and uh, my credit score was a 508. Wow. So you, you're at the bottom of the map. At this point, yeah. were you still a teacher? No. I was making about 60000 or something. Okay. So I was, I was starting, my salary was starting to come up, but I was, you know, but my, my credit sucked. So I was like, man, I don't have any money and I don't have any credit. I can't invest in real estate. So I guess I'll just have to wait years until mm-hmm. the credit comes. My cash come up. Yep. But I kept searching. That's cool. So now that you got the idea, you want to start flipping, you want to get some rentals. When did you acquire your first property and how did you get it? So, like I said, I kept searching and then I found, you know, wholesaling and creative real estate that I can get my foot in the door without money or credit. Mm-hmm. Seemed like a scam, looked like, yeah, right. But I've seen a lot of people do it. I think uh, my first deal was a for sale by owner. Um, I did everything wrong. I was supposed to profit like 16000 on a deal. 
and uh, the guy, I made forty eight hundred. It was so bad that he didn't have to even uh, cut me a check. He cut me a check outside of closing because I was no longer protected, like in the uh. deal. Like I, I did it all wrong. So it was a for sale by owner. I called a guy. He had moved to another city and the house was vacant. And he, this guy was like in his seventies. He said, look, you know, he wasn't hurting for money. He was like, uh, we moved and it's a vacant house. We're looking to sell it. So, uh, he agreed to my purchase price. I started, I, I called a realtor and told the realtor to put it on the MLS for me. The realtor was so confused, asked the broker, this is like 2014, asked the broker, like, is this legal? She called the title company. Like, he's not on title. Like, can you do this? So uh, it was a mess. Yeah. So so what I guess what a lot of people are saying is that he didn't write the contract to protect himself. And when the end buyer was there, he was, he didn't have to be on the HUD. So he never wrote the contract that he he was in it. So he ended up, the guy was nice enough to cut you a check, basically. He didn't have to, but he still did. <laughs> no. Right. So because he was he was actually a, a, a older guy and he invested, you know, a lot in his youth. So he he just I guess he appreciated the hustle, you know. Yeah. But uh, the the uh, so what really messed it up is the realtor was like, wait up, you're not on the deed. So when we write the contract, when we had a buyer, when we write the contract. The contract was between the seller mm-hmm. and the buyer. It wasn't between me and the seller with an assignment yeah. protecting my interest. So I went to the title company afterwards and was like, yeah, I'm here to pick up my check. And the escrow agents just looked at me like, what? so awkward, kind of like, I, basically like, who are you? <laughs> wow. Interesting. That's, 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 incredible, bro. that's crazy. So, so now, you, now you made your first $4,800 and you see it's real. Right. You see it's real. Now you just made... 10% of your yearly salary in this right. in this messed up transaction. What's next? It works and I need to keep doing it. <laughs> so at this time, I don't know. I think, I think uh, by this time, I think uh, I just started getting better at saving and uh, I actually bought a, a, a rental property all cash, free and clear. Mm-hmm. I came across the still of a deal because of course I was still marketing, you mm-hmm. know, and a, another lead came up but it was so cheap. I was like, I'm gonna buy it. And that was my first rental. Uh, I was like in 2014, I bought it free and clear and rented it out. How, so how was, much did you end up paying for that one? Man, you don't want to know. I don't want to say that because <laughs> you're getting too big now, man. People are going to know where I, my marketing try to come here. Well, you, the- here's the thing I bought. That happened to me in my first year. I bought a property for $1,500. Oh, well, it wasn't that cheap. Yeah. So, but- I mean, it, it, fifteen hundred dollars. I bought the property for fifteen hundred dollars, and it was worth fifty thousand, right? And I was gonna f- keep it and and rent it, and I end up selling it for eighteen thousand. You gotta tell me how you got that deal. Well, you gotta tell me about the situation of the seller. What? what? Um, he he had about five or six properties, and um. He was going through some foreclosure, but he had. I lucked up on it. What happened was, I ended up putting it under contract, and I negotiated the lien down, the mortgage with a company that was under watch by the federal government. So Gosh. there's a certain mortgage company. I think it's called Aquin. Aquin Mortgage. Uh, yeah. Aquin. They weren't allowed to foreclose on any properties. 
for a certain amount of time. Sweet. So I I negotiated a forty thousand dollar loan to a thousand dollars, and I gave the seller five hundred bucks. Sweet, yeah. I, t- I took over a couple subject twos with Aquin being a lender. They can't for- yeah. they couldn't foreclose. They weren't they weren't allowed to foreclose because of some trade practices, deceptive trade practices they did, and and the loss of their paperwork and stuff. But you know, it, it it's crazy. So now you're acquiring rental property. You you flipped a house and you got a rental property. What are you cash flowing on it? Nine hundred a month. Ta- the taxes on the house. So anyway, the. Uh, <laughs> The property bought the property for nine thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Needed about three thousand dollars worth of work. So all in twelve thousand, and the property's looking sweet. It's a three bed, one bath. Rent it out for nine hundred dollars a month. You made your money back the first year. Yeah. And you still own this property. hundred percent return. Yeah. <laughs> about a hundred percent cash on cash return. Yeah, we still own that property. That's that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Still own that property. Um. It's mailbox money. We actually—it's like the only one I have, like on HUD. Now tell me, tell me, you—you've done your first flip. You've—you've you've got your first rental property. How do you get to the point where you're doing now? You're—you—you you, last year, you did a hundred plus thousand, right? In in okay. in real estate, how do you do that? Working a full time job. I understand the one flip. I understand the one rental. How do you do that part time? Okay. Biggest thing is the mindset shift. So I told you the first like two and a half years, it was just like, hey, I just want to make a little bit extra money. So it's kind of like the climate control. I make a, I make a, a, a deal happen. I cash a check and then I chill. I might not even do anything in real estate or not even market for like a month and a half. I'm like, cool. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what happened is I just got consistent with marketing, you know, just got, I just kept marketing because I was like, if you stop, if you turn off, if you take the fishing pole out the water, you can't catch fish. Correct. But I would, I would just go eat my fish and then just go chill for a little while. And then probably like a month or two months later, I come fish again. But I just kept and the fishing pole. Important. And, and that's very yeah. important. And, and guys, what he's telling you is, and, and that's. The fish are always fighting. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be consistent. And, and I think that's what separates me from a lot of people in my market from and, and, and in business in general. You know, I can remember when I started my YouTube channel, I had no traction. And then one day, one video went completely viral. And I went from 3,000 subscribers to 17,000 subscribers in a matter of three weeks. And now I'm sitting at around close to 20. And it's the same with my my real estate company. We would put out 100 bandit signs every week. Some weeks, no calls, no calls, no calls. And then, boom, $30,000 in a week. And you're like, oh, my God. And it's the same with PPC and the that's same like, with cold calling. It's that 10X philosophy right there. Yeah. Same with cold calling. It's no no answer. No, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And then brrr, a pipeline of deals coming from past calls that we did, you know, you know, a month or two ago. So consistency is key in life in general. And it's definitely the key in business. So, so I'm glad you mentioned that. And, and I think if anybody should take some things from this podcast is definitely consistency in, in anything you do is the set what separates you from winners and losers. Most people don't have staying power. They're just going to do it for a little bit. But yeah. Because real estate... The, making the, more money. Just yeah. being, being uh, consistent mm-hmm. in what I was doing. You, last year you made 100000 but you still haven't told us how. What, what methods of real estate are you using? You flipping? You wholesaling? What are you doing? 
You know what is crazy? I never consider myself a wholesaler mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. I do like a, a myriad of like different strategies. My favorite strategy and a large component of that 100000 plus that I made is subject to flipping it via owner finance. It's funny. Some of the most seasoned investors don't even do subject to. And when you put those two together, they create big profits. Mm-hmm. So that's where a large percentage of that come from came from. And I mean, I just love it. I actually love subject to more than wholesale deals all day. So so you know, so so backing that's up kind of my niche. So backing up, you're you're saying that you never considered yourself a wholesaler. And I and I and I like that mindset because Here's what I think a lot of people don't understand. At the end of the day, you're a real estate investor, okay? And you don't call somebody that owns commercial buildings a commercial buildinger. Or you get what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't you, you don't call just a, a, a guy that owns rental property a rental propertyer, right? These are all just exit strategies in real estate investing, right? You don't call a guy that builds uh communities and and sells them a community builder, right? He's a real estate investor and there's different exit strategies and tools you can use in real estate. Yes, I run a wholesaling business. Many times, many times I'll do different things with- yeah, You fix and flip? Correct. I've seen fix and flip. I know you, you help, you hold some property. Correct. And, and we get to cherry pick. I think wholesaling is the root of all real estate investing. Because it allows you to find a deal. And in order to be a true investor, you have to buy with cash flow and equity. That's the only way you build wealth. So why take away the opportunity to own the grocery store and the grocery supplier? You should always keep wholesaling. And that's why I tell people I will never let wholesaling go, no matter how big and how rich I get. Because you you getting it at the bottom. You getting it before everybody sees it. So like... <laughs> If you're a wholesaler and you come across a great deal, the property is even larger for you if you want to fix and flip it. Mm-hmm. Because usually a fix and flipper, it's came through a wholesale and they've already attached the assignment fee on it. Correct. If they didn't get it from a realtor or a foreclosure, you can create the largest spread as the wholesaler. Correct. And I mean, I like how you set the foundation because it's usually like the quickest, like the liquidity, just in and out, in and out. And if you decide, hey, I want to cherry pick, oh, this would be a great rental. Well, wow, this would be a monster flip. You can do those too because you're the wholesaler. What's pretty impressive? How many how many subject to deals do you currently hold? That I'm still holding? Yeah. Uh, 10. So you or a trust or somebody or some way in, in whatever you own, you're on the deed in 10 properties right now. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm, yeah. So I'm in the chain of title. Meaning if they, if they default on our agreement, mm-hmm. the property comes back to me and I can sell it again. You are making cash flow with these properties? So only one, because I you check this out. I, I love maybe I'm I'm too giving, but uh That's what this podcast most, is about. So yeah, so most of the time, man, I'll just make the you know ten to twenty thousand dollars upfront profit mm-hmm. and I and I keep the uh the mortgage the same. So I don't do a wrap. I don't wrap around a mortgage. You familiar with wraps? Absolutely. Absolutely. So usually uh, when someone owner finance, especially investors, they owner finance, you're going to see minimum. I don't know about your market. 10% down, 10% interest rate and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Well, 
If I take over a pro property subject to and it has a 3.5% interest rate, guess what? I usually owner finance it and let them keep a 3.5 interest rate. But I made $20,000 up front. Okay. Now, if I'm feeling like, hey, I want to make a little bit more, like that only that one property that I decided to do that on is I'll get the $20,000 profit up front and then I'll wrap around a second mortgage. You know, the title company handled that for me mm -hmm. to adjust it. So their mortgage payment is more than the actual mortgage payment of the, the, the loan I took over. So that's usually so, because of it's more because there's a lot of equity involved in that one. Yeah. Or, or they just got a sweet the the uh the the rate the rent rate or uh what someone will usually pay for that monthly is uh is more than what the note is you know and it's like hey you know okay if it's a house that someone usually will pay twelve hundred dollars a month from four but I took it over and the uh the note is nine hundred it's kind of like man wrap around <laughs> wrap that note so it's twelve hundred makes sense and now you make twenty k up front and now you're making three hundred dollars a month. So equity and cash flow. Exactly. Off of one deal. I'm actually diving into subject two. And I think last year I probably passed up on a dozen subject two properties because oh, everybody does. That's why I love it. And that's why it's dope being. I think that's what helps being full time mm -hmm. because, yes, it's it's it can be competitive, especially in a lot of markets. But why it's uh it's import, important to note many exit strategies or, or have many tools is because subject tools are usually the deals that people pass up on. Correct. Because if you're a wholesaler or you're a fix and flipper, if a property, let's say a, someone owes $100,000, right? Yeah. And the, the property uh, has is worth $100,000 and they owe $98,000 on it. Mm -hmm. Are you going to fix and flip it? You can't do anything with that. Are you going to wholesale it? They're going to think about short selling it. They're going to think about short selling it. That's $20,000. If all I need is a seller that is it is flexible and they're willing to take you know my offer and let me help them with a subject too. And so while I love it, and it really works with part-time because a lot of these, uh, these, um, these sellers, they just get looked over. People just walk past them and they, don't, they can't help them. So how do Even you- Even tell. If you owe $98,000, it's worth $100,000, you don't even have 6% to pay the realtor. You come out of pocket. Correct. Correct. So, so you said you can take a deal with that thin of a margin and make money off of it. Easy. And I'm going to tell you why. And you, and you can understand this. The thing is, Max, that when you own or finance a property, when people are buying a property, own or finance, they, they usually sell for about 10 to 20% more. And it's going to be one of two ways. Either that's why they have a temper, the investor charges 10 percent interest and they make make that much more over time. Or you can charge it where the down payment is what you get. And you so you like 120. So a house is worth 120. I mean, a house is worth one hundred thousand dollars. Someone would easily pay 120 for it. Like in my market, if you're going to own a finance it for them. So you're the bank saying, will touch them and they have money. So you're saying they got the twenty thousand up front. They're going to pay yeah. more for the property, but instead of paying it in payments, you just take it up front, and then they they essentially just paying the replacing the mortgage because somebody else. That's my favorite type of deal. And if the payments were so low that I took over, I wrap a second mortgage around, and so I'm cash flowing as well. 
so, you gotta think about it. if the if there's only 15 years on that mortgage that took over, shoot, and you did it for 30, when that mortgage is paid off, there's still the payments is going directly to you. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's just crazy, uh <laughs> crazy type deals, man. So tell me about your last deal. Tell me how you found it, from what marketing piece and what marketing. Oh, okay. Tell me, so so tell tell me from what marketing you found it, uh, what type of deal it was, what type of money you made, and and the whole thing because I think that's important, and I I think that's the thing we should share. Tell tell me about your last deal. All right, my last deal is going to confuse you because it was super creative, so I don't I'm probably confused myself trying to uh, regurgitate. Um, but my last deal. I'm pretty sure it was a bandit sign. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Okay. So um, bandit sign. So the lady was past due on her taxes about eight thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. She knew that the property was probably going to go to tax sale, and she wasn't going to get anything. Mm-hmm. I uh, she agreed to basically let like take like two thousand bucks. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that was better than nothing, mm-hmm. right? Then I automat I owner financed it, I think for like eighteen or twenty thousand, where the guy uh came and he put ten thousand dollars down. So I owner financed for like twenty or or eighteen. He put ten thousand dollars down, right? And I went to the tax office and set up a payment plan and they told me, hey, as long as this year is current, within a year, it's not gonna go uh in the foreclosure. Okay. And so we set it up with the uh the real estate attorney. That uh, the eight thousand, because you know I financed it. It was a one year term, so I made the ten thousand profit up front, and I just let him make the payments to the thing. You know, got it. And so if he if he doesn't pay it, you know I can pay it and I get the house back. You know if he defaults on his owner finance, or I mean if I don't want the house, like <laughs> so you just let it go. Yeah. Interesting. So on that bandit sign, did it go to voicemail or did you answer it live? Probably live. Yeah, live. Okay. I think live. Yeah. Before we wrap this up, tell me your 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 My deal before that was better, man. So all right. I'm confused. T- let me let me give him another deal. Tell me about your deal before that then. Bandit sign. Answered it live or, or uh No. No, no. I, I called him back. I called okay. him back immediately. You gotta call back immediately. But um flooded house. But they had insurance. So, you know, they compensated with insurance. So they just wanted to liquidate the property and take whatever they could get with the property. I already got the insurance check and move along. Mm-hmm. Bought the house for 40000 immediately sold it for seventy. Thirty thousand 30000 wholesale deal. It was gutted. Nothing was in it. Didn't touch it. So drywall is gone and. Gut, completely gutted. And a, a, a pack, because. And a pastor of a church bought it. They had like a grant program or whatever, and they bought it. Um, and it still is a super deal because they own all their uh, their rehab. They got their guys, their contractors and mm-hmm. stuff. So, yeah, it was still like a... That's they crazy. Still I, like I've never deal. heard of a church in the rehab business. Yeah, so they had a grant to like uh, provide people in a congregation with, with houses. Okay. And so, like, they put them in a house with a little equity, and they have to stay there for at least five years like that. So they had, like, a waiting list. And because this Harvey kind of hit our area, uh, they were taking advantage 
of that because new construction was slow. Well, tell us before we wrap this up, tell us uh, two of your top marketing strategies right now. Yeah. I mean, I got to give out the goal, man. I got to give out the goal. Tell me, tell me your two favorite marketing strategies right now that you like. Two favorite marketing strategies. I'm glad y'all can't see my board. I would say, man, the tried and true signs, man, they, they work. I like now, them too. Yeah, they, they don't work in everybody's market because some, uh, some people's, uh, uh, code, uh, you know, they're, they're strict. It mm-hmm. depends where you're at. You know, some markets is really competitive. Some markets is cutthroat. Some, the city officials are really strict. But in my market, I like bandit signs and I also like driving for dollars. I really like it. So very, two strategy, very cheap methods. Huh? Two very cheap methods. Very cheap methods. And one of my strategies for driving for dollars, I'm sure most people are familiar, you know, you, you find the the house that appears to be vacant, either do a skip trace or 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 find their their mailing address, reach out to them via phone or or mail. What I like to do in addition to that is, man, when I see a house that looks like it's vacant or it looks like it could be for sale, you know what a lot of people don't do, Max? Knock on the doors next to them. Ask the neighbors. Neighbors know everything. They do know everything. You're right. Bro, they know everything. Look, hey. You know who owns this house? People don't do that, you know? They'll tell you their name, their cousin's name, the phone number to call them on, the whole nine. Well, look, Brian, it was great speaking to you. I know you're out there giving information because you are in uh, the Facebook group, Wholesaling Houses Elite. Uh, Tell people where they can find you at and, uh, you know, where they can reach out to you. Okay, so I'm most active. I am most active on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I, that's my platform of choice. My IG stories, I give away crazy information. I mean, Max, you see, see it sometimes. Like, I give away gold. House Buying Brian. So, so House, house Go ahead. Buying Go ahead. Brian with the I. Got house it. Buying yeah. Brian. House Buying Brian. And then you also yeah. got a YouTube channel where you use that whiteboard behind you and you start breaking down deals. So tell us what yeah. your YouTube channel is. If uh, you go on YouTube, I, uh, Max is going to have a link for it. Yeah, so you're absolutely. Get yep. So if, if you're listening to this on YouTube or you're actually listening to this on the iTunes, I'm going to leave some stuff below uh, f- so you can reach out to Brian, follow him on Instagram and YouTube. He's got some great information, guys. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to bring you back. The podcast is relaunching. Everything is everything is awesome. I'm, I'm glad you were the first guest on. We're going to do this every week, a couple times a week. And uh, look, man, I look forward to hearing more and more success stories from you. And uh, folks, go out and follow Brian for sure. Any parting words from the people? Man, look, if you want to be in this game, just like Max said, just be consistent, you know, be consistent, you know, be honest and really help people. Uh, believe it or not, man, when you when you genuine, man, like it works for people. I tell people all the time, Max, uh, so many times I've offered less than another investor and the seller took my offer. I do it a lot. I get that a lot. It's crazy. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not all about money. So if you can connect with sellers and build rapport, you'll make I think you'll make a lot, a lot of money. So consistency with your marketing and also learning to build rapport uh, with sellers and not going in there with that sharp mentality. You know, yeah. see how you can help them. That's how you can make money. 
Absolutely. Brian, I appreciate you once again. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to join our Facebook group, Wholesaling Houses Elite. Follow me on Instagram at The Real Maxwell. And please, please subscribe to my YouTube channel at uh, just search Max Maxwell and you can find me once again. I'll see you guys next week, next time, next podcast. This is Max Maxwell and you guys have a great day. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Wholesaling Houses Elite Podcast with Max Maxwell. Make sure to tune in next week to see what elite wholesaler will have in the hot seat.